Hey there, welcome to the Creative Metaverse Podcast. My name is Ryan Kingsline, and I'm the founder of Vertex School, where we train creatives for the career of their lives. In this podcast, we interview amazing artists and creatives working in film, games, and building the metaverse right now. So sit back, relax, and enjoy. Hello, hello. All right, there uh, we go. Great to get um, a chance to meet you. Yeah, great, great to get to meet you guys. Get to meet what the uh, what you guys are doing. You know, this new industry, like all this crazy stuff. And I and I'm really excited that um, you know you guys are up for chatting about this because uh, it seems like like this is a new market for artists, right? Definitely, definitely, it's a big thing. It's like, and we're you know these are just the baby steps. This is going to be enormous. So it's, mm. it's quite cool. That's great. And you guys are at 30 artists, I think, right now, right? Uh, it depends how you count. But uh, yeah, we're yeah, going to be a lot at, by the end of this year. It's going to be oh. it's going to be pretty crazy. Hey, Ryan. Right. Hey, guys. Hey, hey. How's it going, Ryan? How you doing? Doing perfect. Great. Thank you. Thanks for setting this up. Um, all right, so we're all actually already on and moving. So why don't we just jump into this? Um, and I have a whole host of questions, but the first part of it is, um, you know, what is it? What is, um, is it synthetic data or is that what it's called? What is synthetic data for AI simulations? Sure. So Ivan, maybe I'll take this one. Yeah, um, great. So um, maybe first we'll start with intros or? Yeah, well. well Go straight into it. Let's go let's straight, go straight into, into, it. into it. Yeah. Let's do it. Okay. So, <laughs> <laughs> so it's a great question. So high level, um, in order to you know train AI or machine learning algorithms to understand mm -hmm. what they see in the world, right through images and video, uh, mm -hmm. you need a lot of data. Now, what is data really? And data, visual data, uh, in this case, is images and video together with a lot of metadata that comes together with it together with a lot of annotations a lot of additional information that comes with each of these images mm -hmm. and so you know the manual process the previous process the way of doing things was to capture a lot of images in the real world through cameras um, and then you know send it over to have it manually annotated meaning manually people would um, you know select uh, or de define exactly where the head is within the image or where the person is looking, try to you know, place on the image where the person is looking. And, and you know, manually annotated these images, adding this extra layer of information. Now, both collecting the images, right, capturing the data manually, is extremely operationally intensive and takes a lot of time and effort and is just you know, a crazy mess. And then annotating the data as well is, is very hard to do and it takes a lot of people and you have companies with tens of thousands, even hundreds of thousands of people manually annotating data. And these companies have reached enormous scales as well. Um, and so, you know, what we're doing is we're taking a different angle, a different approach at, at this. And this is really where synthetic data or simulated synthetic data comes into play. And what we do is we simulate the real world um, and we uh, create images that are, you know, photorealistic renders. Um, and we also extract from our 3D simulation or from the 3D graphics, we extract these same kind of metadata, the same kind of meta information layer. And this is a really powerful approach. We think about it, it's like, you know, classic 3D, but you need to get to enormous scale, right? You need the ability to generate not 
one really good looking person, but hundreds of thousands of people. Uh, you need to have a lot of control. So to be able to uh, manipulate things like expression and, and you know, what they're wearing and, and you know, what poses they're in and all of that. Um, and you need to be able to generate this, you know, and a click of a button, render out all of these frames. And so rendering, you know, rendering one frame can be a challenge and take time and, you know, to get it right and everything. Um, but we're doing things at, at, the set, at the order of magnitude of hundreds of thousands of renders um, at the click of a button. And so it comes together with a lot of technological challenges as well. Uh, but high level, right, synthetic data is just solving this computer vision data problem using simulation um, instead of manual kind of creation. Yeah, you can, you, can, you can think about, you know, how many challenges uh, both logistical, you know, and, and other you have with collecting data, right? It takes a lot of time. You need a lot of people involved. You need a lot of people to, you know, collect the data, annotate the data, make sure, you know, do, do quality assurance for the data, make sure it works then you have problems um, of biases, right? So as Gil mentioned, you know, the data has been collected mainly in where the diversity and people living there are, is not so diverse, right? So you have mainly the same ethnicity of people, the same people living in the same area, geographic problems, right? If I want uh, those things to be collected in, you know, I'm from Ukraine, so let's say I want those, uh, the data to be collected in Ukraine because I found a good provider of data, I will still get, you know, um, majority of, Ukrainian, Russians, you know, Belarusian people that are living there, well, I might need a more real world representation, right, where we have much more diversity. So this is an issue that we're tackling. We can simulate and recreate any person, right, mm -hmm. the, like regardless of where we are in the world. Um, this is a challenge that we're, you know, uh, solving with, with synthetic data. Another one is the times, right? You need to do the whole logistic operation of taking the people going, you know, Taking the shots, the frames, you know, whatever, whatever your use case might be, and there's a there's a bunch of use cases for data. I think we're going to talk about it in a bit, but just collecting the data, annotating it might take months, right? Uh, then you send the data to engineers, to algorithmics engineers and, and developers, and and you know they they find out that hey maybe the data is, is incorrect, right? They need to go and do another round of, of data collection, another six months, another eight months, right? Because they figure out that uh, maybe they need more edge cases of people with I don't know skin disease, whatever, right? Can can be a bunch of those, and while we're doing it in you know hours, right? We can generate whatever they need in in a very, very short amount of time, right? So we're simulating basically the real world in in a simulation. Yeah, you can, you can refer to it like that, you know? I get it. Yeah. All right, cool. So that is a fantastic way because that was kind of the first problem where I was kind of like, what are we talking about here? Yeah. So now we might actually do the introductions. Um, and so I'm really happy to have uh, three people from DataGen. Jada, DataGen is uh, a startup out of uh, Israel, right? Tel Aviv? Tel Aviv. Beautiful All weather. Right. Mm. All right. So why don't we start with some introductions? And uh, Gil, since you kind of started, we could just you could tell us a little bit about what, got, what you do and, and all that good stuff. Sure thing, sure thing. So, hey everyone, uh, I'm Gil, the CTO of DataGen and one of the co-founders of the company. Uh, I have a technical background doing computer vision on 3D data using deep learning for many years. Uh, and, you know, very, very early on, I uh, started working with the seeds of, you know, this concept of I this idea of synthetic data back in 2015. So this is a, this is a long while ago. Um, and really since then, uh, you know, we saw the whole industry of graphics 
uh, evolving, uh, the tooling itself and the people themselves and the, the processes and, and the ability to create amazing things. And, you know, we saw this progressing over time and coming together super nicely with computer vision and all of that. So, um, you know, taking this from a concept to a full-blown company, we're now running and we have amazing customers from all over the world in a bunch of different industries. Uh, and we're creating amazing technology and working really hand in hand, both with engineers and with 3D artists that are top tier. Um, and really bringing this together is, is where all the fun is at. That's awesome. Thanks, Gil. All right, uh, Teddy, how about we get a little introduction and get to learn a little bit about you and what you, what you do there? Yeah, sure. Um, so my name is Teddy Hecht. I'm a marketing manager uh, at DataGen. And um, I'm um, responsible for building our inbound uh, marketing efforts. And um, I'm primarily responsible for, uh, for creating and distributing our marketing content, which, which includes our own podcasts, which I, I work mm -hmm. with Gil on um and uh and creating um really communicating uh what is synthetic data how it benefits our um our users and our our other stakeholders mm -hmm. um and uh really Betty optimizing also our... boxes, so guys cool thing and, to... and... <laughs> and what sorry teddy also does and... beatboxing so ah, we'll beatboxing and acapella when oh, when I'm not recording uh, voiceovers for the <laughs> podcast, I'm recording beatboxing and acapella. That's right. Four part harmonies of myself. Great. <laughs> yeah. Um, All right. And um, and data gen is largely B two B, right? There's no like B two C component on this that I can imagine at this point. That's right. Yeah. It's all B two B. Okay, that's great. That's um that's the side of business I long for. You know the <laughs> stability, the long contracts. You know, all right, great, thank you. And uh, Evan, we have worked together before. Um, yes, indeed. Yeah, so why don't you tell us a little bit about what you do there and, yep. and get an introduction for those who haven't been part of your class. Yeah, uh, so as uh, Ryan mentioned, we've been together, we've been working with Ryan together on uh, some courses I've been te teaching at the Vertex School. Um, I've been teaching character creation um, and specifically how we translate cartoon character into more realistic style. Mm -hmm. um, which is, you know, the, the passion of mine. But, you know, on my day-to-day -day work in, in DataGen, I'm uh, basically the director of 3D technologies. So I'm in charge of all of the 3D aspects, all of the 3D teams that we have in multiple uh, teams. Uh, we're developing, you know, I'm in charge of helping Gil and, you know, our product team and, you know, our repair and everyone there figure out the best ways to um, basically introduce and, you know, merge uh, the you know, 3D knowledge and 3D techniques um, into our generators, into our software and, and our services that we're providing, which mm -hmm. is, might be a bit, you know, challenging. Um, it's it's very different from, you know, working in, I assume I never worked for Hollywood movies, but I see it's it's very different from that. It's a little bit like working for games because you do have this really cool symbiotes, you know, symbiotic relationship between engineers and, and 3D artists. Yeah. Um, but it's also very, very different. I think this industry is, is it's already booming right it's it's already very crazy i started around three years ago uh, when we you know it was a very small tiny startup uh, just a few people and we grew up you know amazingly within those uh, few years uh, we grew up our team the israeli team from three people to 12 now um, all are very serious and strong tech artists we're we're mainly focusing on tech artists you know people that can 
be the bridge between the technology and the art, which is mm-hmm. very, very similar work we're doing. Um, and we also have a very nice, um, say, support team, uh, which which is, as you mentioned at the beginning, 30 people, but we're growing very, very fast. These are people that are mainly doing, you know, your traditional 3D stuff, mm-hmm. modeling and, and, and working with real-world data, um, working with... Um, Know, animations and, and and shading and texturing and all of your normal and you know regular 3d stuff i would call it like that right your simple i wouldn't say simple but your regular task of 3d right sculpting sure. and modeling yeah. which is not like very technical right um yeah and i'm in charge of making it happen you know helping uh helping grow up the company helping grow up uh you know the the operations on the 3d side awesome great okay so this is when I was talking to Evan about um, what we were doing here, uh, it struck me that you know, we use this tagline here at Vertex called uh, creative tech. And it's like, you guys are like like the perfect pitch on that, you know? Cause it's the tech, tech is the scale side. And then there's the creative, the creative, you know, the art and, and whatnot. And so you guys are in this really amazing, you know, nexus uh, that we have here. So I think one of the first things we probably need to do is just talk about use cases. Um, you know, like, what is this? So we know synthetic data is basically, and uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but this is largely human um, simulation, correct? It, it, it could be anything. Uh, we're focusing on human interaction. Uh, right now, okay. Yeah, but we, at, the, at the past, we focused on uh, non-human interaction, right? It can be anything, like autonomous yeah. vehicles can be a use case, right? It doesn't mean that you specifically want to learn human behavior on the road or whatever, but you, you know, it can be part of it. Maybe some models would like to learn, you know, how the weather affects the um, uh, understanding of, of the algorithm, you know, how to behave on the road or whatever, right? It can be mm-hmm. different things. Uh, yeah. But we are, as a data agent, currently we're in stage where we're focusing a lot on human interaction. Okay, and can, uh, you know. Yeah, we're, we're really pushing the envelope on, you know, what we can do uh, with respect to generating humans at scale, adding motion, having them interact with items. So to just touch a little bit on the use cases themselves, um, we have various generators that are used by these computer vision engineers uh, Mm -hmm. where they don't need to do any 3D stuff. They just like click on what they want, like in a candy store, uh, you know, downloading as much data as they need. Um, But, you know, what we do behind the scenes is we focus on various different domains and we also have a generator that's quite generic. And so our generic generator can just generate humans. Uh, you can control the pose, the, the expression, the clothing, uh, kind of everything that you want about the, the human itself. You get really nice, high quality, high grade uh, humans where all of the base maps, all of the base meshes, are super high quality, 8K texture maps, super high quality topology that was built in-house uh, by, you know, guided by Ivan himself. Um, and, and really we have, top, top tier quality human generation at a click of a button. Um, the second part of this uh, is domain specific um, generators. And so we mm-hmm. have a domain generator for in-cabin. So you can have someone you know, driving in the car with, an, with a, uh, a camera focused on the driver itself. And you can see him mm-hmm. you know, driving, falling asleep on the phone, eating stuff. And these things are you know, quite complex right, to generate. And we're, be, we're able to do this at scale, both, you know, um, with the, like the guidance and, and help of the 3D team, which is making amazing capabilities, as well as uh, AI algorithms that are able to take this uh, data, right, this, these 3D graphics that the 3D team is building and generate from it much more. 
And so, for instance, we're able to map identities, different humans, to our uh, motion in the car. And so you mm -hmm. can generate 10,000 different people that are falling asleep in the car in various different ways uh, and with different accessories on them and with different clothing and different weather. And so this is a very powerful thing, of course. And so if we talk a little bit about domains, we have the in-cabin domain focusing on the inside of the vehicle, people, uh, the driver and passenger as well. Uh, we have a domain of home security. So, you know, we don't like being robbed at night. Uh, it, it pretty much looks at uh, around your house and it, it simulates kind of people coming close to the door, people jumping through the window, people doing a bunch of different things, maybe stealing the package that you just got from Amazon and you were excited to, to open. Um, mm -hmm. And so that's also one big domain. And we also have the AR VR domain. So the ability to, you know, put on the nice uh, new Oculus glasses or uh, Snapchat glasses or any of these um, different devices and be able to see um, and interact with the virtual world you need to solve a lot of computer vision stuff. So there are cameras all over that device and they want to know where you're looking, uh, what your hands are doing in 3D space. So if you're grabbing an item in the virtual world, uh, you want to grab that item in 3D space. You need computer vision algorithms to solve that. You need data of people grasping those things in the air. Um, and of course, 3D avatars of people. Uh, to generate those 3D avatars, you need a lot of data. So these are, these are all like different use cases um, that, we, that we work on. Maybe last one that I'll touch on is like similar to the Zoom call that we're on. Uh, so Zoom mm -hmm. calls is also like a domain. There's a lot of innovation there. There's a lot of cool stuff yeah. coming. The nice background so, that Teddy has there, right? It's uh, <laughs> it's, done, it's done with that, you know, or, or the blurry backgrounds that you, you see more and more right now. Mm -hmm. it's, it's learn how to understand where the human being, like where the human is. And, 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 and basically you can see it right now, right? It has issues figuring out where my arms yep. are, right? So it cuts it off. So this is something that we we're actually tackling, right? With different motion and, 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 and teaching where the arms are and where the hands and the fingers and so on, right? There are many, many use cases. Like if you're gonna turn 90 degrees and look to the right or to the left, you probably won't be able to understand your silhouette, right? Because all of the algorithms now and all of the data you have now is like front of, you know, front of the face. So these are, you know, many, there are a bunch of use cases. You can, you can just name it and, and you're probably gonna, you know, um, get to one. Right, so and just and, to hammer it home yeah. for those who aren't uh, as familiar with um, with computer vision, each image that is being generated in our generators. So what you're getting is an RGB image um, that's being simulated, and you're also getting a depth map that is that tells you pixel by pixel how far away that pixel is from the camera. You're getting a, a normal map you're getting a segmentation map that has like color-coded um, segmentation of the entire image into categories of, all right, this part of the image is a chair, this part of the image is the person's eye, this part of the image is the person's head. Um, and all of this information, this metadata is being, that's what's being fed into the training of the machine learning algorithms. Um, that's what makes this so valuable. And in addition to what Teddy said, there's there's another layer of data and information we're giving, which is which is not visual, right? It says mm -hmm. there's different calculation we're doing, you know, like an eye gaze or where the eyes are looking. A bunch of really cool um, and and let's say data that is, I think I would say it's very difficult to get from like you know your manual process where you just tag it or, or 
almost impossible. Even if you get it, it's probably not very accurate, but what we are able to give, it's like pixel perfect um, and accurate data uh, for each frame, which is, you know, um, we're talking about data sets, which are, there are like hundreds of thousands of frames, right? Right. You won't be able to do it manually. Um, right. Anyways. And then, as you said, like, if you, you'll get like, say one view, but if somebody turns this way, to the side now now it's a different yeah. use case kind of you know you you yeah. wouldn't be able to understand it like the, the, the algorithm wouldn't be able to understand what it's looking at right so i was thinking like um a couple of friends of mine are have been involved in the scanning industry you know for a long time and uh you know i was uh, when the pandemic came i was like all right i got maybe i'll do something else like i'll add something to this puzzle and so i was like hey i'm gonna create like a scanning studio so i called my friend in la who does it and he's like don't do this number one it's a hard business. <laughs> Number two, uh, it's being replaced by 4D cameras, right? And so I'm looking at this and I'm like, you know, these are these two separate areas. And so I can imagine with the 4D camera, which is, you know, just the, the 3D scan of somebody in motion, in motion yeah. you know, and that's a large bit of data. So if we just throw the, the size of the data out the window and we just look at the actual capture capacity, it sounds like these are two there's simul there's virtual there's the simulated data and then there's the actual capture data here and um you know right off the bat i mean it sounds like this virtual simulation has like massive advantages over any sort of capture because you guys just said um you it's can say scale, this is a chair know? right and like like we have in um in character work or or whatnot it's like this is an object pass this yes. is and it's colored blue and so now your simulation will know all chairs are colored blue. You don't have to annotate that. Is, am I understanding this correctly? Yeah, definitely. And okay. yeah, and the challenge of course with the 4D scanning is like you need uniform topology, right? And you need mm -hmm. the ability to extract all of this information. And you know, even if there are certain things that you can extract, you really don't have this consistency and the ability to then use that consistency and then scale it up with algorithms. You just can't do it today with, with 4D scanning. Yeah. But e so even then, I guess the next question is um, where what's the threshold on the on the realism? Right. Because obviously, like if we would go 4D camera, if if the cameras are like solid and that pipeline was solid. Um, but then how detailed do things need to be? Because a friend of mine actually does. Um, I think he does something similar with the virtual simulation, but for cars. So his job is to build Berlin in 30 minutes so they can run a, a simulation through it, right? Um, and he was telling me that the, the puzzle they're trying to figure out now is the realism puzzle. Like how real does it need to be? So re regarding, you know, how real it actually needs to be is, is a great question. And, you know, we take a very kind of engineering approach on one hand, and mm -hmm. on the other hand, you know, we try to get as far as possible. So on the engineering approach, though, like how engineers look at this from the synthetic data side of things, mm -hmm. we want the data to work really well, like in actual AI models in production, right? And to, to actually reach us and help us, you know, in our day to day. And so what we do in practice is we generate data. We train these AI models in-house in internally. Mm -hmm. Um, and then we test it against real data, real scenarios, and we see how well it's working. Mm -hmm. And we want to try to constantly improve that. Now, there is a correlation, though, between how real it is and uh, how, how well it works, but it isn't the only thing, right? It's like, it's not the only important aspect. Um, that said, you know, we have 
amazing 3D artists. And our 3D artists are always pushing us forward um, and always moving things forward. And the nice thing is, because we're building it in a very structured way, we have the ability to improve things incrementally. We can improve, for instance, we can have an amazing skin shader. And we actually have an amazing skin shader. And right now, we're actually trying to improve the hair shader. And once mm. we make um, a few tweaks to the hair shader, for instance, and uh, Ivan showed me some crazy, crazy stuff that him and his team are working on right now. But once we make these tweaks, the next person that generates 100,000 data points is going to get 100,000 data points with this upgrade to all of them. And so you have this amazing impact uh, with one shader, you have an amazing impact because it's not for, you know, one project and then you move on to the next project. It's like across mm. the entire, all of the customers, all of the platforms, one shader has a huge impact. That's pretty and I can amazing. also say that from a marketing and sales perspective, so even though ultimately the, the important thing is that the algorithms are able to generalize to the real world, that we're, we're selling to individuals and teams. And if I send out a marketing email or, or we put out an image in our marketing that doesn't look perfect and has some uh, mistake and doesn't look real, that will hurt us in our marketing, even if it doesn't really hurt the generalizability of the algorithm to train on that image. Mm. You understand what I mean? Yeah, I totally get it. Um, everybody wants realism, whether it's- Right. Does it actually matter? It does, but uh, pixel-perfect realism, it doesn't matter um, you know, to the, the nth degree. Yeah, it, it's important. Realism is important and we, you know, as, as a 3D team, we are always pushing to, you know, get it more realistic, you know, better shaders, better lighting, better utilization of, uh, you know, maps, you know, et cetera, and so on. But we also understand that there is a, a good enough point in time, right? So at yeah. this point in time, there's good enough for what we, what we need and what the market needs. You know, maybe in six months or in two months or in three months, we will have the ability and we will have the need um, to improve, right? So we're ready for that. But also understanding, you know, this is good enough. What is more important in synthetic data is the scale and the diversity you have in your data. It, I think it's much more important than, you know, the realism of a specific, um, you know, face. I can have 30 super, you know, hyper-realistic faces, let's say. Yeah. But it wouldn't really give me any value uh, or more value than, you know, certainly not more value than if I have 100,000 that are, you know, slightly less realistic faces. Yeah, no, I get that. That my wife has it in a separate context. She's uh, she's Hindu, um, but uh, from Delhi, and she's kind of she doesn't have the accent anymore. And she, you know, she's been here for a while. And Alexa can't understand her to save her life, right? It's like you know, and so you can tell like there's a problem with the data that they're training on, um, that they yeah. can't understand my wife. I mean, I, sometimes I have problems, but that's a separate conversation. <laughs> um, so, so when we look at this, you know, what was interesting to me is, you know, artists are never happy, right? Like Gil, Teddy, tell me, is even ever like really happy with his work? Like, you know, I mean, deep down or is, it, is he always trying? Even <laughs> specifically is, is super passionate, but I know what you mean. I know what you mean. Yeah. So, and so you got, you have to put this tech angle and the scalability angle which is the tech side. And so now, you know, you're meeting these two worlds. So what kind of, like, how do you guys bridge this, this world of the creative and the technical? So I think that there's a lot to learn from each side, right? Like yeah. everyone has their own kind of 
work methodologies and processes and like how they go about things. And of course you have a very analytical kind of um, side with the engineers and then also a very strong, um, you know, visual quality side with, with the 3D and they really, they care about the quality and it's mm -hmm. important to them. And, and, you know, we try to look at both and, and try to merge them together, of course, with this product. Um, now, uh, how high tech companies work in general, right, is that you have these R&D organization um, and the R&D org by us is, is the engineers together with the 3D, right? Yeah. They're the same org. And then we have a product org and the product org mm. is who defines like the roadmap and tries to, you know, put the building blocks and says, you know, interviews the customers, asks them, this is super important. Is this important? Do you need this? What do you like? And really tries to build this roadmap and align the whole R&D structure together to work together as like one cohesive unit. And so mm. having really good product folks um, that, you know, can communicate both to 3D artists as well as to engineers together and you know bringing everyone together on the, aligned on the same um on the same page that's that's really really important i think and also just you know bringing on to the team people that know how to communicate and that are yeah, exactly. fun to communicate with and are fun to be with and so ivan and his team especially right are really good at sitting down hashing out hard problems you know uh, getting that deep into what the problem is what the you know how how is it possible to get to a certain level of realism um, that's good enough while maintaining performance, for instance, which is always a trade-off. Yep. And there are, there are various different kind of conflicting issues, uh, but it's really, really nice to see. And I think that in the end, it's, it's having a good product team to give a nice roadmap that everyone is aligned with, and then really just the people themselves, like being able to, to work together in a good way. Mm, yeah. That's great, actually. That's a... That idea that there's the product org, the, the two different orgs, I think is a really important thing for people to realize. Ivan, what I do you think? That. Yeah, I, I was you know, about to, um, to say that as well. I think the main component here of being able to work um, in a good way is, is the people, people themselves. Hmm. Building, a, building a team, a good structure uh, from both the engineering side, the algo side, and the 3D side, and finding this... Um, middle ground for all of us, right? Because there are challenges, don't get me wrong, like when we're working with engineers or the algorithms or everyone, there, there are challenges. Everyone is trying to, you know, preserve what they need to do, trying to um, make their job, um, you know, there are different things that are a little bit important for each of the other teams, right? But we are always trying to find this middle ground and see what is important for the organization for our product i think finding passionate people you know people that are really into what we're doing um and and people that really believe that we are not just another startup like israel is full of startups right and great startups and great tech companies but building a team that really believes in you know the future of what we're doing i think it's super important like we we have people that are dedicated to what we're doing, the, to the idea, to the vision, not only to coming, you know, to work and you know performing their day-to-day -day tasks, which is, you know, if you if you are that kind of worker, this is great. Like this is good, you know, as long as you're doing and, and, and doing whatever is needed, it's it's fine. But we are looking for people and, and build a team around people that are passionate about what they're doing, right? Mm. Um, and this is, helps us, you know, bridging that gap between, you know, the visuals, the, the 3D and the engineering side. 
Yeah, that's great. And, so that, and also, you know, the yeah. fact that we we have more tech artists that understand the tech side of that, it's also helping. You know, it's not. <laughs> let's not be. Um, you know. Yeah, that's the hot commodity. I think yeah. is that tech artist. It's tech actually artists. one of the big focuses for me is is people who can can bridge those worlds because that's where the future is. Um, so there's two things. Um, uh, and I think we probably should start with like, so all of this done and said, like, what is a job candidate? And just a little bit of context here at Vertex. Um, and actually, for me, the last like five years, I've been trying to figure out, you know, what is it that somebody has to do to get a job? And, and I'm kind of looking for the bare minimum, right, kind of thing. So it's like that I can train for that and then we can plus it from there. So we did this in games and we sat down and we were like, you know, these are the hiring triggers for a high poly, a texture. This is what people look for in texturing. So they look for in rendering. Um, but, you know, this is a new field for me. And, um, you know, if I was to say Google digital avatars, I'm going to have like all these hyper-realistic characters i'm gonna have like chris costa who's at ilm and he does every pour by hand with his own hand i'm like that's pour number 3722 done and go on scary right so what does a job candidate look like for you guys if if you can flesh that out that'd be great i don't know who wants to tackle that i I can take that um Mm -hmm. we're looking for people that are technically strong right Mm-hmm. And technically, um, in like what, if we could say, so, in 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 all of the three D aspects, I'm not looking for specifically like a rigger, right, or specifically yeah. a, a shading artist or whatever. But I'm looking mm-hmm. for a generalist that is able to tackle all of those issues, right? Mm-hmm. We're looking for people that can solve technical problems, right? I'm talking about um, setting up systems um, or even POCs, right? It doesn't have to be a full-blown system that works by itself, right? We have engineers for that. We need people that can guide the engineers to build a system, right? Let's say we want a system that allows you to um, have multiple variations of teeth, right? Like, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. Teeth, right? So you need someone that will be able to understand how blend shapes are working, how rig is working, you know, how, how you can uh, create complex shaders and materials and how you can make those, uh, how you can create drivers to, to, you know, work with it. You'll be able, you, you will have to get someone that will be able to understand how to take everything, optimize it or help the engineers to optimize it, right? So it's more of a generalist role, but mm-hmm. technical, you know, incline. Um, there are some roles that we're looking for um, what we call is 3D tool developers, right? So th- mm-hmm. these are 3D artists that are strong with Python, um, either in Blender or Maya or whatever tool we, are, tool we, we need uh, you know, for, for the moment. Um, there's people that can write add-ons and can write um, you know, automation and, and, and basically just make the 3D artist life easier, right? When I have 10,000 identities that are generated and I, do, I wanna do some modification on those 10,000 identities, I don't want to go one by one, you know, or, or do something that is you're going to make me, you know, go crazy. So I need someone that's going to help me write a tool that will do the specific task I want, you know, repetitive times, 10,000 times, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's more of, more of that. Uh, uh, that's, of- an, that's an interesting um, one to, to stop on because like if, if we were to say, all right, here, um, let's get some character modelers. It's like, hey, here's my model. Here's my texture. But now when we start talking about a generalist, the portfolio question becomes very difficult. Yes. Like, and how does 
how do they demonstrate capacity and how do you perceive their capacity or the two sides that, you know, if you could help me kind of get that. So what I'm looking um, in this case is for people that can demonstrate specific tools that they created or helped mm -hmm. create, right? Add-ons or, or what is very strong right now is Blender geometry nodes, right? If you can come yeah. in with Blender geometry nodes or Houdini and show me some um, technical art there, right? Uh, a generator that can create... Uh, you know, generate like multiple houses, right? Whatever. Can be something easy. Um, a generator that creates sofas, different kinds of sofas with a, you know, click of a button. Things that are fairly simple to do. It doesn't have to be super complex. I know that we can teach people. We never um, had... So our main tool that we're using is 3D. Uh, is, we're using a lot of them. We're using Maya and Unreal and Blender and uh, um, ZBrush, you know, everything that you have in the industry. One of our main tools is Blender. But it's very hard and difficult to find like professionals that come with Blender because essentially everyone that finishes a school, you know, Maya. Uh, it's, it comes with Maya, right? Yeah. Um, but we don't really care about it because we know that it's just a tool, you know. You can come with Maya, you can come with 3ds Max, you can come with like, I don't know, Lightwave, whatever you know. Um, as long as, as we see that there is potential there we can teach you to use Blender, right? We can teach you use, to use whatever tool is required, right? I think most of our artists on the team that came with something else than you know, what we needed at this time. Yeah, that's fair. So a demonstration of it, man, and I tell you, it's good to hear you guys are kind of Blender, like you, you have a good place there because I've been desperate to change Vertex over to Blender, but it, Maya is still what studio, or my, my clients yeah. still ask for Maya. Blender I think is, that, uh, yeah, we're going to see more and more of a trend where synthetic data is done by Blender. Look, um, you, you, have, you have this, all of the, you know, think about all of the young people, all mm -hmm. of the people from all of the world, over the world that don't have the money to buy Maya. They are all using Blender. They are 16, 17 right now in four years, in five years. Oh, totally. When they're 22, 23, mm -hmm. when they're on the market, they don't want to, they, you know, they won't be caring about Maya or, right. or something like that. A minority will go to school. A minority will go to, to, um, and I'm talking about like, you know, not like Vertex where you learn whatever you want. Like you want to do a character um, course, you, you take that, right? You want to take an anatomy course, you take that. Talking about like schools, right? Like where, where you go to university and spend three to four years and teach, you know, and, and and you study like irrelevant stuff for like two years. Mm -hmm. And then the last third year or the fourth year you're studying uh, Maya a little bit or whatever, right? It's, it's, this is going to go away. Like they're only going to be stay like online schools, like Vertex, uh, mm -hmm. you know, like, like workshops. This is the only thing that is going to stay in you know, five to 10 years. That's my prediction. We can come back in 10 years and talk about it. <laughs> and it's probably what's going to, what's going to happen, you know? Harvard will still be around with that endowment. Yeah, well, you know, <laughs> but, talking about they, you know our industry. Um, yeah, totally. And think about all the people that won't go to school. You know, all of those mm. people that will 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 learn something and, and teach themselves. Right, I'm a self-taught artist as well. Right, I didn't study um, in school. I studied management. You know, not, nothing to do with with what I'm like. Well, technically, there's something to do with what I'm doing now. But like when I first started doing 3D, yeah, just managing to, 50 people. Well, you know. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> my, my dad is happy, you know, because it's like, I told you it's going to be good that you study management, you know. Uh, <laughs> That's great. 
<laughs> That's awesome. All right. So the second thing I want to talk about that we kind of picked up is because you mentioned um, you wanted people to come in um, who are, you know, to some extent devoted to the future and, and whatnot. So, you know, like what is the future uh, vision? And, you know, of course, I know that's something that like stretches, but like, is can you put that down? Did you guys ever do you have like a 30 second pitch, you know, but yeah, I'll leave it to you. Yeah, sure, sure. Uh, so the future of of this world, right? Like you go and do anything, right? You go to the supermarket, you take stuff off the shelves, you go and you use your AR device, no need for cell phones anymore. You go and, uh, you know, you get in a car and you drive wherever autonomously. The, the future is amazing, right? And every single aspect of this future is really connecting between the physical world and the digital world in a seamless mm. way. And that connection is actually fueled by computer vision. It's the ability to understand what's in the real world and then invert it into com like computer readable uh, understanding. And so what we see as the future is really a full connection between the real and the digital. It's gonna be obvious, it's gonna be seamless, similar to how internet is everywhere today, right? And we don't think about you know, if we have connection to the internet on our cell phones. Um, so in the same way, you know, we're going to expect our devices to understand us, to understand what they see around them, to be with context. And, you know, the, the enabler for that, right, and the infrastructure for that is really the data itself and the data layer is what we're actually building. And so we really see DataGen as enabling this next level of technology going forward. And, you know, this includes things like autonomous vehicles and the metaverse and, you know, smart stores, the ability to go into a store, take something off the shelf. and leave. Uh, All of these things come together and, and really uh, create this next generation of technology. That's awesome. We're creating freedom. You know what I mean? Yeah. You don't need to do anything. You, you just live your life and everything around you works the yeah. way it should be. One of the cool things is, you know, I, I hate washing dishes, of course, uh, like everyone. And uh, we had the opportunity to work with a company that, you know, creates robots. And they have a two meter uh. high robot that actually cleans your house. And it's insane. Right now it's in R&D. Mm -hmm. But and of course, I can't I can't actually mention uh, their name. But uh, yeah, it's, a, it's an amazing opportunity to just work with these crazy companies that are doing amazing things. And they have to navigate people, um, deal with different kinds of dishwashers. Then yeah. they have to deal with probably, like my wife and I have this constant back and forth. Um, you know, I believe that dishes should be straight up and down, orderly. <laughs> she believes she's my chaos agent, right? Like they end up flipped. They are on this. I don't know what's going on over there. So they probably have to manage, you know, different styles of people. Human and so, analysis. Yeah, what's that? <laughs> sentiment analysis. <laughs> okay, good. I like that. <laughs> we have different sentiments. Um, so, okay. So, you know, we are talking about, you know, building that world, that data that they interact with, which is the metaverse. Exactly. Like you're kind of building metaverses for them. So, so really like synthetic data is one of the base building blocks of the metaverse. Uh, now, you know, we're focused a lot on this metaverse layer that's teaching AI to understand the real world, right? But uh, the same base technology is also going to be quite useful uh, when we look at the metaverse and various kind of things there. We can touch on it a bit if, if you guys want, but uh, there's a lot, you know, the metaverse, it seems like a big, 
um, kind of buzz that's going on that nobody's sure mm -hmm. if it's, it's real or not. Um, anyone that hasn't yet, I recommend you guys put on an Oculus Rift and see kind of where the future is going. It opened my eyes. Uh, but really, you know, everything in this 3D metaverse is going to be based on, on graphics, right? Based on 3D artists that are making amazing things and also based on technologies that are very similar to the technologies that Datagen is working on uh, in order to create a lot of, you know, different motion, different people doing things all the time. Uh, you don't want like the same person, you know, uh, saying hello to you in the morning every morning. You want different reactions, different people moving, expressing themselves in different way within this virtual metaverse. And so uh, we're going to see a lot of cool things that are, you know, very much aligned with the basis that we're laying now. And a lot of those capabilities are going to be built on top of the infrastructure that we're building today. Okay, it's a lot. So, yes. So in other words, what Gil is saying is that the it, it's not only um, the training of the algorithms to understand your movements and translate them into the digital world. It's also the recreation of you in in the digital in the metaverse. Yeah. Um, the, the recreation of you <laughs> is going to be done uh, via uh, synthesizing uh, via algorithmically yeah. with synthetic data and synthesizing your motions uh, with a virtual identity that's based on the same uh, types of um, generator, generative uh, algorithm. And it's not yeah. only the motion and, and those you know mechanical uh, aspects, right? You also need to understand the psychology. You need to understand the mood, and it's much much more than just you know uh, physical or mechanical aspects of 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 the of the metaverse or of, of the technology let's say right yeah 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 but but again imagine definitely agree and, and imagine like you know you could take a one picture of yourself and create a full 3d avatar of yourself that you know mm -hmm. can walk around do things and then also you know you could talk to this uh, virtual person or another virtual person and get realistic expressions and speech and and everything that you would expect uh, in 3d and you'll see them right in front of you uh, these are, you know, the technologies that are coming uh, in the close future. Yeah, no, I, I'm a big believer in the metaverse because, I mean, I changed the podcast to this is the creative metaverse podcast. And, yeah. and I know people don't like they don't understand what metaverse is. And yeah, people throw that around. So I, I get it. It's like NFTs. You throw that stuff around and, you know, there's a lot of judgment that gets thrown around, um, you know, but there's also a simpler basis, you know, to explain it all. But I'm actually still a little floored by what I think you just said. Um, you guys are building the data layer to train AI, but technically, um, there's also a possibility where you could outsource this data to a metaverse for simulation so that you have people walking around to help a car understand how to behave, and those exact people could go and populate my matrix doing stuff so, so today today i even had a call with um with a prospect first time ever uh, and this might be a trend right but first time ever they didn't want data for ai they actually wanted to use our 3d humans and put it inside they had a factory a si simulated factory where they teach workers you know how to do certain things on the assembly line and they wanted to have a bunch of simulated humans walking around doing things in the background 
a bunch of different kind of interactions with, with various things that are a bit more, you know, complex and, and a bit more than they can handle themselves. Um, mm -hmm. and, and of course, they don't want like one different variation of this, you know, person, uh, let's say, uh, turning a knob, for instance, they want a uh, hundred different people, you know, doing this uh, in a hundred different ways. Um, and, you know, we're also talking about numbers like thousands and tens of thousands of people. And so to get to those kind of scales, you need, you need a lot of tech to merge together with the graphics and everything. Wow, that's amazing. Um, I remember when I first started Game Art uh, Institute, which is the earlier version of the Vertex, I was thinking like, I was, thinking, I was kind of done with film, to be honest, because I was done with LA and I was done with all of, all of that. And, uh, and I was like, real time has to be it. Like it, there's just too much power for me as a creative this real-time capacity and, and whatnot. And I, even back then, I didn't imagine like how far this is going to go. Um, so why don't we, uh, I, I know I'm up against the time there. So I think one of the next things that I could do, if you guys don't mind, is talk about kind of the software stack a little bit um, for what you guys use and, uh, and what you would expect a candidate to be, you know, conscious of, like, you know, the, 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 um, the variable would be like, you know, do they need to bone up on Unity, Unreal, you know, right now I'm exploring Octane rendering, you know, and so that's like rendering in Octane is totally different, so much faster, but um, Blender's got Eevee, you know, so like if you could give me a little bit on the software stack and what people might really want to focus on, that'd be great. So if we're talking about data gen, so besides yeah. Blender, mm -hmm. uh, which is the obvious for us right now, yeah, and we are exploring different uh, software as well, but you need to understand that a lot of our, um, you know, a big chunk of our product, big chunk of our offering is based off of some of Blender's capabilities. Okay. Um, so we are exploring different switches to different other software, other platforms, but as of now, it's it's probably going to be Blender for a while. That's that's what I envision. But mm -hmm. there is Blender, obviously. Um, we are exploring and working very closely with Unreal Engine, obviously, as well. Mm -hmm. um, and the third one that I would say is um, very strong right now is, I want to say Houdini, right? Mm -hmm. Because it is. Uh, but I also want to say maybe Blender geometry nodes, because we see that the development of the geometry nodes is, obviously, it's not yet as strong as Houdini, but it's it's getting Maybe not getting there in like the next year, but in two years, I think in three years, it's going to be super, super strong. Now, already now you can see a lot of really cool tools and really cool um, stuff being built with that, right? So this Houdini is its own learning curve, right? Yes, Houdini is, is, it's, for example, in Israel, it's also very difficult to find artists, right? Ah. We barely have artists in general. Um, like the industry is not, is not very larger, right? But then if you want to find someone that is like a Houdini artist or a specifically Unreal artist, it's even harder to find in Israel, right? Hmm. And let's say I'm the only Israeli on the team that's not in Israel, right? So it's mm -hmm. it might open some possibilities here, right? Uh, again, <laughs> we, we talk Canada, about that. Canada. Canada, yeah. I'm, I'm in Montreal, for those who don't know. Um, so it might open some possibilities here, right? But again, um, I think also you have the factor of working from home which is uh, very strong. We are currently all working from home, um, you know, and for the right people with the right uh, 
capabilities. I think we can, you know, we can look into it as data genesis, I think, right? Awesome. Yeah. And then rendering, is it real-time rendering you guys are focused on or do you do offline rendering or? We, we are doing offline. We are developing our algorithms of, uh, you know, um, improving rendering, improving uh for like upper resolution, for example, you can render in 512 by 512, but the algorithm will make the image uh, to be 4K nice. okay. uh, with all the details and everything preserved, right? So we're, we're working on, on different algorithms on our side um, and Gil can, you know, talk about it even more. Um, but currently we're focusing on offline, uh, but we're also exploring uh, real-time rendering as well. Yeah. And Our Blender's server. engine, Eevee, right? Uh, so for real time, we actually explore. We explored Eevee for a while, but like we played with it a bit. Uh, but we're actually, um, no, for real time, it's Eevee, right? We're currently yep. using cycles. Um, but for real time, we, we tried Eevee. We looked at it. It's nice. There are some, um, let's say, drawbacks right there, uh, which which are not great for us and makes the data le less realistic. Hmm. Um, for example, a screen space, uh, you know, reflection. You don't have that right so everything that out of the view of the camera it won't be um, reflected in reflective surfaces which is not ideal for us um, right. but currently we are, we are reviewing um you know unreal engine as well we're doing some tests and some some work with unreal engine see if we can move part of our pipeline uh of our rendering pipeline to unreal got it yeah cool, i would thanks. i would maybe yeah i'd maybe add uh two things so like one is um, it's definitely not a, it's not a must, but it is pretty good if you have, you know, Python ability. Um, and so there are a lot of courses, um, for Python. I think that, you know, everyone in the future will know something like Python, um, just, you know, in school, uh, high school, uh, should be probably mandatory at this point. Should um, be, yeah. just, uh, you know, at least like scripting and like simple things, but, but pretty much, uh, that's definitely a plus uh, even the ability to interact more seamlessly with the engineers uh, we see that you know skills in Python is probably good to have um, and uh, yeah li like Yvonne said you know we have a lot of different programs that we use a lot of different things I would say that they're you know the technical artists we put a lot of focus on them this this uh, talk there's still a super important part here for artists that have a very very good eye that can see quality can see problems and it's very hard to do it's like you can look at a face of a person and just stare at them and not understand what's going on and then you bring on one of these top tier artists like Ivan and he's like dude the eyebrows are completely fucked up look at this <laughs> and and you you instantly get you know quality uh and you can improve it and, and instantly everyone's like wow this this is a big improvement yeah. so yeah with oh yeah again technical artists great Still super important, and that eye is something that you train over years. It's not something that you know you can you can just learn in, in a day. Exactly. Traditional three D artists. We again, yeah, I think you made the right move here. We we've been talking about technical artists because of the um, nature of the work, but we are still very heavily depending on you know traditional three D artists. Like if you can sculpt, if you, if you know anatomy, these are things that are super important, right? Mm -hmm. uh, creating a good shader and and you know creating some um appeal or realistic face you know working on those things flagging those things because i literally yesterday had a situation where one of the algorithmic uh, you know people in our, in our team like hey, i don't see any problem with this with this model that we have here we had like a very weird mix of um 
like a very pale white skin on a on a character that shouldn't be white like like it looked weird you know it looks mm-hmm. like it shouldn't be there and and the person was like no it's it, it looks fine but then when you showed it to the artist like no it's 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 obviously mm-hmm. a mistake you know it shouldn't be like that um so all of those things right so we definitely still depending depending on you know good artists yeah that's great all right well yeah, yeah. So I, I, I think now's a good place to kind of wrap this up because I know I'm taking a lot of your guys' time. It's quite late, actually, for some of you guys. And uh, Gil, Teddy, Ivan, man, thank you guys for coming in and unpacking this. And, I, and I'm super excited about what you guys are doing. Dude, we're, we're also super excited. Thank you very much for having us. Yeah, um, thanks so much. Thank you. Yeah. Fantastic. I'm going right. to add a shameless plug for a second. Just Please. say... We, we are we are actually hiring and we want you know senior artists that are super passionate about the future to come and join us all over the world feel free to send us uh, you know your portfolios and everything and definitely also another plug check out Yvonne's work it's crazy and, and you can see some really really cool stuff there thank you all thank right. you awesome <laughs> okay guys. all right thanks guys take care thank you bye bye thank you bye 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 all right thank you so much for taking the time out to listen to this and i want to ask just two things of you number one make sure to leave a comment or rank this wherever you are listening to it on apple uh, stitcher spotify really makes a difference in helping us get the word out about this industry and about what we do number two make sure you visit vertexschool.com to learn more about what programs we offer in this area as a creative and for artists who are looking to jumpstart their career and discover a new industry. Again, thank you so much for listening. We're accepting applications right now, so I look forward to hearing from you soon.